Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. Contributions to the medical literature are produced at an incredibly high rate in this information age, creating volumes of data which no one person can effectively consume and process. This is easily pushed to the back burner when competing with direct patient care activities. I'm Gretchen Brommel, Pharmacy Executive Director in the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence and your program host. With me today, for the first in a two-part series on staying current with the primary literature, is Dr. Sarah J. Highland clinical pharmacist at Ohio Health Grant Medical Center. Welcome, Sarah. Great to be here, Gretchen. Well, tell me a little bit about your background and your current practice. Sure. I earned my BS in PharmD from Ohio State, graduating in 2011, then completed a PGY-1 pharmacy practice residency at Grant Medical Center in downtown Columbus, Ohio, where I've been a clinical pharmacist and a practice-based researcher ever since. We're a large level one trauma center, a 640-bed community teaching hospital, and we have a very integrated collaborative pharmacy practice model here. I currently maintain board certification in critical care pharmacy, and my specific practice rotations currently include the emergency department, our perioperative clinical pharmacy services, and orthopedics. When I'm not at the hospital, my husband and I are desperately trying to keep up with our three-year-old, our two golden retrievers, and our seven acres of homestead. Lest anybody think I'm coming to this topic with a wealth of spare time, I assure you I'm just as busy as the rest of us are. Well, that sounds lovely. So set the stage for us. What's the problem here with keeping up with the literature? The first problem is that medical knowledge is expanding at a rate that defies human imagination, let alone human capacity to consume it. Humans are literally doubling medical knowledge every few months now, with over a million new biomedical research papers indexed in PubMed every year. The second problem was we as medical professionals thinking that we even can keep up or that this is some unique challenge that we need to find an antidote for. When the reality is you can find PubMed citations on how doctors are possibly going to keep up with the medical literature dating back to at least 1950. In 1950, there were only like a few hundred prescription drugs on the market. The doubling time for medical knowledge was much longer. If they were struggling with it enough to write papers about it back then, Everybody is struggling with this now, and everybody always will. We can start to address this second problem by adjusting our expectations and setting some more actionable goals. We honestly need to just stop asking ourselves, how am I going to stay on top of this? And instead start asking, what strategies are the highest yield for consuming content that will help me maintain my practice in the limited amount of time that I have each week? How can we adopt perpetual learning and practicing evidence-based medicine as a more constant incremental habit rather than thinking that there's going to be a day when we have arrived at literature reading enlightenment and no longer feel buried in things to read? Because it's just not going to happen. Well, it's a big challenge indeed. Where do you start? Step one for me is developing a multi-pronged system for identifying and organizing literature relevant to my practice. And just like with much of pharmacotherapy, a multimodal approach is key. So you don't have a single point of failure. What I mean by this is first using different media. So reading articles, listening to podcasts, watching a panel discussion, participating in a journal club, developing a whiteboard, posting it on social media, using all of these different modalities together can really get you the biggest bang for your buck. 
And then additionally, using a combination of FOMED or free open access medical education sources and purchase content sources. When you can understand the pros and cons of each, you can put both to their best use and develop an array of sources that work for you. Yeah, I like that approach. So what tools do you use? Firstly, letting my practice and precepting drive your kind of weekly and monthly literature content consumption is a great place to start. So I encounter a disease state I haven't thought about in a while with a particular patient I'm taking care of. I take 15 minutes that day to read a few of the most recent guidelines, maybe queue up a recent podcast on that topic that I can listen to on my way home, just using these intermittent prompts that you're going to encounter every day. And then I'm doing a topic discussion with a learner at the end of the month. Maybe I'll identify some readings. I'll help the learner identify some readings. I'll listen to some podcasts. Usually while I'm doing other things as a mom, I'm always multitasking, listening while I'm working out or in the car. Maybe I'll invite other learners and preceptors to participate, make a whiteboard or a pocket card, a tutorial. How can we do something that's going to be transformational with this information? So that's one modality that I use an awful lot. Another tool that's really critical is having a way to automate your feeds. When you look at different posts on this topic, one tool that gets tossed out a lot when you read a post on this topic is using email tables of contents or TOCs from various journals. And I think that maybe this is an effective tool for some, but for me, I personally have to really caution against this and maybe strictly limit these to one to three journals at most. All of this has ever done for me is create an ever-growing inbox folder of things to read. If you see that piling up, if you have three plus months worth of those in your inbox, I think we just need to relinquish this as an ineffective strategy. There are smarter ways of curating your feed. And one of those that I rely on heavily is an app called Read by QXMD. You can use it to set keywords, certain areas of expertise, certain journals you want to follow, and really create a customized, actionable feed of things that are very important for your particular practice. I like that it really takes the burden out of my email inbox that I just don't think is the right place for staying on top of the medical literature. It's just a better mechanism for it. A similar app that you could also explore is called Researcher. It additionally has a lot of the same functionality of Read by QXMD, but you can also incorporate things like medical news outlets, preprints, podcasts, all until your curated feed. So thinking about a way to automate and just make your feed smarter, more consolidated, and maybe recognize that it just deserves its own place in your phone and your device, in your workflow, that's maybe different from your email inbox. The final tool that has really been practice changing for me is using a reference manager. A reference manager is a way to completely automate your personal database of articles that you read. Once you've identified things, it's another step that you need to have a good way to organize and retrieve journal articles that you've read, or they're not always doing you a lot of good. These are things like EndNote is a popular one, Zotero, Mendeley. My current personal favorite one is PaperPile. And I like PaperPile because it seamlessly interfaces with Google systems. So when I'm writing a paper in Google Docs, I can embed my references. I can pull from my database. It also interfaces with Read by QXMD. I find an article that is relevant, save that to PaperPile, and then that way I have everything organized, the full reference information, and I can readily retrieve it when I'm doing a drug info response or if I just need to pull it up to discuss with a colleague. Using a reference manager is something I cannot recommend highly enough to just automate your database. Well, some of those are new to me and I'll definitely check them out. How can you leverage other professionals in your mission to stay current? 
a team approach is a key message that I have for everybody today. Firstly, really get to know your medical librarian. If you're at a hospital, even if it's not an academic medical center, like mine is a community hospital, if you have medical residency programs, you probably have a medical library and therefore medical librarians or other information specialists. They can help you access more articles through PubMed and other platforms so that you don't hit paywalls and you can immediately access the things you need to. If you can't, they're the ones that can access them uh, on a a one-off basis, even if you can't. Furthermore, they can also help with compiling literature searches. They can do in-services workshops in various techniques and, and a lot more oftentimes. So they're really just like a hidden trove of information and support on this topic. And I highly encourage everybody to connect with them. It's important to work as a team within your department and your larger network. Discussing primary literature is one of the single highest yield methods for learning and applying new knowledge. So don't just read it yourself, talking with somebody else about it, doing a journal club, whether it's just within your team, your department, interdisciplinary journal clubs, I think are even higher yield. You could also participate in grand rounds at your institution, your state and local national organization networks, things like the ACCP practice and research networks, for example. Starting your own journal clubs, making your topic discussions with your residents open, meaning you just send out a calendar invite to the broader department rather than it just being a one-on-one thing with you and your learner. That can bring new perspectives to the table. You guys can get more out of that discussion and potentially elevate a broader audience while you're taking that time to to dive into a particular topic. I'm also a big fan of hanging these large whiteboards up throughout the department, and especially outside of the department where other providers can see them. That's a great way to dive into a topic discussion and display a focused topic that you want to get out to a broader audience of providers. Finally, I think... Just not letting journal clubs become a rare and excessively time-consuming thing within your team. I think it's better to have a predictable 30-minute one every one to two weeks than an hour plus one every month. I think that that keeps everybody engaged and on board and can make it a more regular, less intimidating thing. There's also just the broader community of MedTwitter, TwitterRx, other FOMED outlets. This is a great way to connect, and it can also help highlight things that you want to read, You can interact oftentimes with experts, with authors, and obviously we're listening to podcasts here. I'm a big fan of podcasts. I have probably 20 plus podcasts that I'm regularly reviewing and queuing up. Coming back to this multimodal approach and connecting within your team and with the broader community can just really help you make the most of your time. That's great advice and a good approach. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on today. In part two of this podcast, Sarah will return to wrap up her thoughts on staying current with the medical literature. If you're enjoying this series, subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening.